bitching. We are back oh, for good. another Oh, good. You got it right. I did get it right, oh, without man. even having to think about it. Oh, man. That was wonderful. <laughs> okay, we should we should end the episode now with great success. That's right. Stop now. <laughs> Before we totally you know, I, I do up. I do have something... I, I do have something that I want to mention, you know, because it's difficult to do topical. It's because we never know when you're going to be listening to this. But right now, the thing that is up my boop is censorship. Censorship, because we have been censored. We well, we weren't. I, I, I we wouldn't. We weren't censored. We were called out. We were rejected by. Uh, we, we first of all. I think it's amazing. We were completely accepted by Stitcher right off the get-go. Yeah, I mean, there was like no question. But Stitcher said, hey, sure, come on in. Uh, we were rejected by Google Play and by iTunes because of explicit content. Now, And you know what our explicit content was? We were quoting the president. Just like every news organization on cable and uh, and network did, we quoted. Well, the we may have started that with that, but then we we had some other choice expletives. We used the F word, which for those of you who are not as inclined to censor, is fuck. Um, and uh, damn, it's it, it is. I thought it was Fred. Well, okay. Fred, no, Fred was something else completely. But, uh, but, but I mean, we use foul language. Uh, let's let's say let's be fair about it. We're old guys. We have no filters, and we use foul language. Well, let's, okay. I, I want to say something about censorship and delicate things. Right before uh, I came in to sit down to record this podcast today, there was a commercial on TV. And it was for some new pharmaceutical whatever, just like we run into constantly in this country uh, for Peyronie's disease. For what? Do you know what? Yes, Peyronie's disease. I, I, you know what that is? I don't know what that is. I thought Peyronie's well, I, was like a Greek dish. <laughs> well, yeah, that's Peyronie's. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's like Middle, <laughs> Middle European. Now, uh, this could be caused by pierogies, but Peyronie's disease, which I learned on television, not being censored, is for guys that have curved dicks. What? Appar- apparently there's a pill for that. Really? There may be an app for that. Now, is it a pill to give you one or a pill to take it away? I think it's a pill to take it away. Uh, you know, that way there's no iron involved. <laughs> or, but maybe a steel rod is necessary. And they, and okay, so that's okay. But a couple of old guys bitching, occasionally saying shithole, occasionally saying fuck, that's not okay. Yeah, no, it's not. But, but uh, I mean, we are, we are now up on Stitcher and we are up on Google Play. We still have not gotten our acceptance from iTunes because... And if we, uh, if we got that Peyronie pill, we could be up on our podcast. Well, that's very possible. Uh, up in more ways than one. The... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> which at our age is an achievement anyway that's uh, i'll alert the media there you go so so we we want to talk about um one of the things that came up in the uh, state of the onion uh, address 
is, uh, be, it, and I say State of the Onion because every time that guy talks, we all cry. Um, <laughs> but it, he talked about fixing infrastructure, which this country sorely needs. Um, it absolutely does. Now, um, I, I will have to say that Las Vegas, for the most part, actually does have good roads and good bridges because they're working on them all the freaking time. Yeah, you can't go fast because of all the cones. Well, that's what I don't understand, because in Seattle, they're always working on roads and yet they're always broken. So I don't well, know what they're know, doing. You, you got, you got, I think they fix them with paper mache. <laughs> and you got the different weather up there. Here in Vegas, it's a desert. It rains like, you know, four minutes a year. So there's nothing. You, you got cold weather. You got snow. You got roads expanding, contracting. And, you know, it, it could be as bad as Boston for all we know. <laughs> and every time, every time um, it does rain or snow, we, we get umpteen more potholes on every road. So if they can't stay and, uh, ahead of it. Do you remember there was a Get Smart episode years ago where there was a crack control team that would go in at night, late at night, because terrorists were always blowing up all the national monuments. Uh, it's like they blow up the Washington Monument, and overnight this control team would go and rebuild it. So that oh, that's that's fantastic. I, now we we need that. Now we need a control team on crack. We need we need a control team on the roads just to get the roads done. But I was reading a story. There was an old World War II microbe that um, did, did we we we've talked about this before, but I don't think it recorded uh, a fungus from World War II that can fix America's crumbling infrastructure. They they inject this microbe into uh, whatever the concrete is, and it creates calcium carbonate. Yeah, oh, kind of the fungus among right. This, it so yeah. it automatically mends all the concrete. However, I well, you know that sounds a lot to me like science fiction you know, about like nanobots where these little tiny robots come in and fix everything. Exactly, and that's what I was going to say. You know, being raised on fifties horror movies and everything was was a result of uh, nuclear stuff or whatever. That this thing, I don't want our highway bridges attacking us. <laughs> they may collapse, but they don't have to attack us. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, a place where there's a lot of highway bridges like uh, Los Angeles, um, they, could, uh, they, they could organize and there could be a whole army of highway bridges coming after us. <laughs> that's, and, and there is a movie. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, 50s science fiction movies. Oh, you got me going now because there's a guy uh, who runs a shop near me. I do patronize the shop, and the, and the guy always has these weird uh, uh, theories about everything. And a couple of weeks ago, I went in, and he told me that he was really terrified because he heard that the Van Allen belts, these belts, that magnetic belts that circle the Earth, he said that they were in danger of bursting into flame. And I said, dude, that's the whole plot of the movie. Uh, voyage to the bottom of the sea. That well, exactly. There we go. Voyage to the bottom of the sea. One of the all-time classics. Now, first of all, I got. I just have to say that uh, when I first heard about the Van Allen belt, I thought it was something you bought at Target in the men's section. 
<laughs> uh, in the Sansa belt area. Yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, hi, let me go get my Van Allen belt and, and to take care of things. <laughs> but, you know, the thing I loved in Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, and, you know, this was like the classic shot. It was in all the trailers and everything with the sea view, the sub, just coming, launching straight out of the ocean and then Flashing down, but nobody ever thought what was happening in the galley at that time. Everybody was fine in the galley. Well, you know, they would cut to uh, to an interior shot, and everybody was just fine because they were actually on a soundstage in in Burbank. But (laughs) yeah, but they didn't think about those guys with those big pots of boiling water on the stove, (laughs) and when that sub would hit the hit the the ocean surface, all that water because of Newton's laws of physics is going to come splashing out. They should have shown everybody in the galley wrapped in gauze. That, that's true. Uh, but now, where is the sea view when you really need it? <laughs> Under the sea. I, it is, but it's, Under it's the probably sea. fighting with a giant squid. Or, <laughs> it was always being attacked by some kind of giant sea monster. Of course, which do exist. Don't don't deny that. I, you know, they, they come out of the uh, the ocean regularly at Malibu. Do they? Yeah, <laughs> and they need to in Malibu. <laughs> yeah, one of them was like Harvey Weinstein, something like that. I can't, can't remember. Well, he he's about the same size as the giant behemoth, I think. <laughs> Did they make that show in color? Yeah, uh, yeah, it was actually in color. Oh, I, I'm gonna have to get reruns. Does it hold <laughs> up? You, you know what I hate is when you watch a show that you loved either as a kid or a young adult um, years ago, and then you get a chance to see a uh, you know a replay on TV, you're watching Decades or some of the old TV channels, and you watch it, and you just go, what the hell was I thinking? This is crap. You, you know, um, there was a movie, uh, uh, again, watching um, uh, Channel 5 out of Nashville when I was a kid, and uh, in the afternoon... Did you only have one channel when you were a kid? It was always Channel 5. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, always Channel 5. But anyway, uh, in the afternoon, like 3.30, yeah. 4 o'clock, they hit the big movie, you know. And, uh, yeah. and I, I, I honestly think they only had five movies. Uh, they had, like, The Giant Behemoth, uh, Teenagers from Outer Space, uh, and... <laughs> A couple of others, and the hypnotic eye scared the the heck out of me. I could not. I. It was only last year that I finally saw the movie to the end, because me and my friends would be gathered around, and this this uh, evil hypnotist would be hypnotizing beautiful women to uh, to maim themselves to watch their face in acid and all of that and then at the end of the movie before he was caught he turns to the camera and he says look into the hypnotic eye and all of us kids would cover our eyes and scream now and run out of the room so we we didn't know if he got caught or whatever. I, I did. Uh, I see. I saw the movie yeah. on YouTube uh, last year. And, well, yeah, that, he does that, get that, caught. the first man and in thought, space with the uh, with, with the guy in, this the, in the aluminum foil me. suit. Um, but but the, you know you talked about the giant behemoth. Now I saw the giant behemoth in the theater, and that movie as a kid scared the heck out of me because of the radiation that it would breathe on and melt people's faces. Um, and it, but where I went to college, 
Um, and we don't have to oh, mention yeah. the college it, it, because it was scary. it's uh, embarrassing, not to the college, but to me. Um, but it was on a, it, it was in Connecticut, and it was on the shore of the Long Island Sound. And I, I remember taking dates down to the beach at night and trying to convince them that the giant behemoth was coming up. <laughs> I don't know why. I mean, because then they would just scream and go running off. Uh, it might not have been the giant behemoth. It could have been me, but I don't know. I, it's, uh... <laughs> because they still do that. I mean, women today still run from me screaming. And I, I, I have no way of, of explaining it. <laughs> so uh, what, what else is going on in, uh, in your life? Oh, I, I know what I wanted to mention. I do. And it has, has actually to do with you and me. Both of us, we work in professions where we do occasionally brush up against celebrities, against well-known people. And, um, yes, we do. Uh, one of my favorite celebrities that I, I, I did work with was uh, Dana Carvey. Such, such a very, very nice guy and very friendly. Uh, I had a, one goofy adventure with him. But uh, tell me about you. I mean, you know, uh, because somebody in the news, Jimmy Kimmel, I remember you telling me about Jimmy Kimmel collecting shopping carts in a Costco lot. Well, wasn't, yeah. I mean, I, I, I got to interview Jimmy Kimmel years ago, and uh, he did. He took me shopping at Costco. <laughs> That that was uh, the way I had to do the interview of his shopping at Costco. And then there was some book that he loved, so he had to buy me a copy of the book. Well, that was nice of him. I don't think I ever read it. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry, Jimmy. I don't know that I ever read it. But uh, but he was he was this, he was a very nice guy. And it's funny because on first meeting him, um, I was surprised at how tall oh, he's he very is. tall because on TV. He doesn't, but he's, he's over six foot, but he doesn't come across that way to me watching him on TV, unless you see him standing next to somebody. But it's like just standing there doing the monologue. Um, he, there's something, he goes, and he, when I said that to him, he said, you know what? He said, people say that to me all the time. People are always surprised. Why? Do I come across as short? I said, yes, you do. <laughs> I <laughs> you look short on TV, but he's not. But he is a very nice guy, um, and I, I honestly think he's become one of the best oh, I, uh, I agree talk show you. hosts on TV. He, he consistently does funny stuff. His monologues are funny. The bits he does are, are really funny. And uh, I, I, but I, I, you know, like we talked in the last podcast about it being the golden age of TV and talking about how great the dramas are, especially the ones on cable. And I think there's, I think it's the golden age of TV and late night as well. You right. know, there was a time when it was Johnny Carson or nobody. And, and then Johnny got challenged by Joey Bishop and by Dick Cavett. And they did good shows, but they were different from, nobody was Johnny. Johnny was Johnny. Um, now, it doesn't matter what talk no, show, I, I, yeah, they late are. night talk show you're on, everyone is good. Even the later ones, uh, Seth Seth Meyers and uh, James Corden, all have their own shtick, their own distinctive spin 
on the genre. I mean, you know, when they're sitting at the desk interviewing guests, it's pretty much the same thing. But they all have uh, good answers. You know who stuff. I miss though, late night, Craig Ferguson, stream of stream of consciousness. You never knew which way he was going. Oh, I love Craig Ferguson. Right. And that was what was so brilliant about him. I mean, he, all these other guys have teams of writers. I don't know if he had writers or if he even used them, but it's like his monologue was all, as you said, stream of consciousness. It was whatever popped into his head. Yeah. And and it was always brilliant. You know, I, I used I used to know uh, Don Rickles uh, reasonably right. well, and uh, he loved Ferguson. That's why he appeared on his show, and he would always take his uh, his usual crew with him: uh, Tony, Paul, uh, whoever else. And um, Ferguson always mentioned them. He said, "Oh, Don, I see you brought your posse with you." And uh, there would be <laughs> these guys that were get the camera off me. You <laughs> <laughs> Here, here's another guy that uh, that you now, yeah you knew Rickles really well and and now he was he had this stage persona but by all accounts that was not Don Rickles not really not really now uh, I will have to say that uh, that Don was on more than he was off and uh, he he really enjoyed um, just goofing around when when people were around. So, um, uh, yeah, I, I did know him, but like I said, he was on more than he was off. I have a story, though, and that is within the context of Don's act. Uh, he would refer to his age. I, I knew him when he was in his 70s up through he, he passed away at 90. Um, but he would mention the fact that, uh, that people were wondering why he was still working. And he always used the same line, and that was uh, Barbara needs jewelry. Barbara, his wife. And, <laughs> you know, um, Don and Barbara were great friends with uh, Bob Newhart and his wife, Ginny. But um, I think Barbara right. started getting an, uh, you know, an out of perspective view of herself. Now, I'm going to go back to my job at the uh, the Desert Inn in Las Vegas. I facilitated entertainment. I executed the entertainment contracts. And so that's how I knew Don. And there are a lot of entertainers who should be executed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but uh, um, I always made sure that uh, Don and Harry Goins was Don's valet and uh, Tonio, Tonio Petisano, uh, that they – always uh, came in into the uh, uh, the hotel area through a private entrance so that Don didn't have to uh, run the gauntlet of uh, autograph seekers and fans and that sort of thing. Well, one day I get a call from uh, Tony O, and he says, we're coming in from the airport. Uh, can, can you meet Don at the front entrance? And I said, are you, are you sure the, the front lobby is kind of crowded right now? He says, Don says he has to go in that way. <laughs> so I did. I, I met him and I felt like a bodyguard fending people off as, as we were going through. And I said, Don, where, where do you need to go? He said, I need to go to the car rental. <laughs> I said, you could have just called me. You could have called me. I would have taken care of that for you. And he said, no, I, I got to do this myself. So we went in and... 
the thing is, is Barbara wanted to go shopping and she needed a car. So she sent Don in to rent the car for her, explaining that she didn't want to be recognized. <laughs> oh well, <laughs> I I know that feeling. Yeah. I, I I go through life not wanting to be recognized, and and so far it's worked. Good, you're successful. Even even my children don't recognize me. <laughs> now, I don't I don't know what. Now it here's is. a guy you you may recognize, although. And I'll have to say, uh, now this guy's, I think, 96, 97 years old, and he's still exceptionally active, and he still looks very young. I would, you know, sometimes mistake him for being 50 or 60 years old. His name's Leo Perlstein. And Leo, or Lee as he likes to be, be called now, remember back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, when... Like local New York TV did cooking segments, and there'd be a guy like from Butterball Turkey or from whatever food product, <laughs> pro, uh, yeah. product Betty Crocker. They, they still do and, it. Uh, and he would uh-huh. uh, talk about, you know, how to make a specific dish. And this guy knew everybody. Bob Hope, Steve Allen, Jack Parr, Dinah Shore, and he has written numerous books. Uh, I got to know him a couple of years ago, and uh, anytime we talk on the phone, it for me, it's just sit back and listen, because Leo has great stories about all these entertainers. Abbott and Costello. He did cooking shows with Abbott and Costello together and separately. What the heck was that like? <laughs> who, who knows? Cooking with Abbott and Costello, was it, it just turned into a pie fight? Uh, pretty what? much, Yeah. <laughs> That would be awesome. I would love to see a cooking segment with that. Can you imagine Abbott and Costello hosting morning uh, TV? Uh, No, I I guess they were guests on whatever show that he was doing. And uh, (laughs) oh, (laughs) hey, did uh, one of my childhood uh, uh, idols that I met, and uh, this guy became an idol because when I was a little little kid. Um, t- this is giving an idea of how old I must be. We- I wish we're- I'm sure we have people <laughs> under under forty listening, going, "God, that guy's old." But uh, TV, where I lived, did not come on until four in the afternoon, and that was Channel Thirteen out of Birmingham, and the first show was Howdy Doody. Yes, Howdy Doody. Oh, well, I will. I I, I don't think I was. My sister was in the peanut gallery of Howdy Doody. Oh, my yeah. goodness. I was too young. Wow. Well, uh, about 20-plus uh, years ago at the uh, Fayetteville Shopping Mall in Fayetteville, New York, I got to meet live and in person Buffalo Bob. Buffalo Bob? Buffalo Bob Smith. And not only did I get to meet... Buffalo Bob Smith, I got to meet the current incarnation of uh, Clarabelle, who was Lou Anderson at that time. And since I was on radio, I got to talk and interview both of them. Uh, My mother really disliked Buffalo Bob. She said he was like the worst used car salesman she'd ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) And 
And Buffalo Bob told me something that actually cemented that. And that was uh, they were sponsored by Hostess for a while. And they would take the Hostess cupcakes, they'd break them open, and they'd show you all of this delicious filling inside. Well, Buffalo Bob told me that what they did is they injected the filling from like four cupcakes into that cupcake before they showed it to you on TV. <laughs> well, you know, I now you talk about uh, uh, um, Clarabelle. I knew, I, I knew, I met um, the very first Clarabelle, who was Bob Keeshan, who went oh, on yeah. to play Cap- Captain, Captain Kangaroo. Kangaroo. And when I, I worked at CBS in New York in the 70s, and uh, my office was on the sixth floor of the broadcast center, and so was his. And I would see him in the bathroom. So, you know, I mean, that's not something you'd normally boast about at a party that, hey, I got to pee next to Clarabelle and and Captain Kangaroo. Um, Luckily, he didn't have his pockets with him (laughs) at the time. It was a very odd experience. (laughs) So so you met Captain Kangaroo in the men's room. I met in the men's room. I met Mel Blanc in the men's room. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) What? In which men's room? Uh, it was a uh, corner of uh, Beverly and Wilshire in uh, in Beverly Hills. And such a nice guy. Uh, of course, you hate to talk to a guy while he's standing at a urinal <laughs> and saying, I'm a big fan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I wait. Yeah. Don't talk about size when you're at a urinal. <laughs> I waited till he got to the sink and was washing his hands. And then I hit him with the big fan stuff. And he told me he knew I was going to hit him with the big fan stuff. And he said, come back to my office. And so I went with him back to his little tiny office where uh, he had uh, a little audio setup where he did he recorded test tracks for uh, – and he was just doing commercials at that time because Warner's had really fallen off as far as doing cartoons. And I have all sorts of Mel Blanc memorabilia that he piled on me before I, I left. And so that was one of my uh, my life highlights. That's that's very excellent. Now, I, I have to say that Bob Keeshan had a – first of all, he was a, he was a very nice guy. Um, and he had an adorable daughter who worked at CBS as well. Um, a little bitty thing. She was really short. But she was really cute, and I had a crush on her for a while. But I, I could never get up the courage to ask her out because it's like I didn't want to get in trouble with Captain Kangaroo. Because he might call uh, Mr. Green Jeans on you. That could happen. Mr. Green Jeans was up there, too. I saw him in the men's room, too. Whoa. It was a really weird men's room. <laughs> now, you know what would have made it weirder? If they were joined by Dancing Bear and Mr. Moose. <laughs> I don't know it. <laughs> that that could happen. <laughs> we know far Jeez. too much about 1950s TV, Steve. We do. Well, I, we grew up with it. We have to. Now, there was a show on. I don't know if you got it where you grew up, but there was a show. I'm running out of time, so I, I got to say this quick. There was a show called Wonderama, and I was on Wonderama. I was one of the kids on the, the show, and we had this tie tying con- contest. And they paired me up with this girl, and uh, when the clock started, 
she was supposed to tie the tie on me and I was supposed to talk her through the the tie thing. And it was great because like before, just before it started, she whispered to me, don't worry, I've got six brothers. I know how to tie ties. So we won. But he, I won color forms or some color forms set or something. And I tugged on, Sonny Fox was the host, and I tugged on his jacket. And I said, excuse me, Mr. Fox, I have those already. <laughs> <laughs> he said, well, find something else. And he just shoved me off camera. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Like, well, Steve, it, like, it looks like we have reached the end of our exclusive half hour of memories of horror films and fifties uh, uh, TV and kids television. <laughs> and it's it started off with with us being censored, and now we're we're just laughing about everything. That's right. So that's good. And and I will I will fight uh, to get us on to iTunes tonight. <laughs> you do that. And uh, okay. and next time we record, we promise we will not be the happy-go-lucky guys you hear now. We will be old guys bitching. We always are. Take care. <laughs> Good night, Steve Fitcher. <laughs> <laughs>